On today's Locked on Jayhawks, a possible grad transfer target is off the board now for KU should they want to go to 12 scholarship players. But we will do a deep dive on one that's still available, at least as of now. Paul Mulcahy, the transfer from Rutgers. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also like and subscribe to our show on our YouTube page. And on today's edition of the show, uh, there is a possible grad transfer that I know was flirted around with. Oh, maybe it could make some sense with KU, as I'm sure many other colleges off the table at this point in time, uh, but also we'll be doing a deep dive on Paul Mulcahy, the Rutgers transfer, and what he could possibly bring uh, to the table. Uh, first, though, today's episode of the show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college, and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. It's an awesome Yeti style tumbler. I use it all the time. Um, I actually have it with me today, but unfortunately is in the uh, other room. Uh, nonetheless, on to today's show. Uh, and I guess the first big news here is just in regard to um, Antonio Reeves, who Kentucky player uh, entered the trans or, or entered the NBA draft process, decided to come back, then uh, left it open because he could be a grad transfer about if he would enter the transfer portal or not. There was a story from, or, or a tweet, I guess, from Jeff Goodman talking about how Reeves was taking classes at Illinois state uh, during the summer. And that would get him to the point where he could graduate. Illinois state was where he was at before Kentucky. And, and that maybe the degree that he was working on at Illinois state um, was closer to graduation than the one he was working on with Kentucky. Like maybe uh, all the credits didn't apply. So that's what would be have to, having to do. Uh, from Travis Branham, though, earlier on Wednesday, uh, Kentucky guard Antonio Reeves moved into his dorm last night and is expected to con- uh, to return to Kentucky for the 2023 to 2024 season. Whether that's um, maybe he just didn't think he was going to be able to get the graduation thing done, or he just had a change of heart and maybe Kentucky came back with some NIL money, or maybe he just decided that was the best decision for him. Whatever ends up being the case, he is going back to Kentucky. It's not necessarily that there would have been like a lock that KU would have got him this or that, but certainly if KU was going to go to 12, which we go back to the quote from Bill Self the other day, that they're happy with the roster. They're cool with it being 12, 11, but That's not going to stop them from if the right situation rises. Maybe Antonio Reeves would have been that right situation of a guy who can play the two and the three for you and would be a really good knockdown shooter that maybe you could fit in and and find some time for. I still do have some questions about how it would have worked because, you know, as we'll go through this, it's going to be tough for like, I I think there is a role out there for somebody to play 10 to 20 minutes per game. If you're a rotation player with KU. Reeves plays 30 at Kentucky. He's probably going to want to play 25 to 30 
at, you know, whatever stop he's at, at, at kind of bare minimum, right? And I don't know that that was there for KU, and he is more of like a two-man. So it wasn't the perfect fit, but certainly he would have been another good, talented player that you gladly would have taken into the fold. But now he is off the table, and that gets rid of one possible transfer target if KU is going to add someone else. Which brings us to somebody we will be talking about today, and that is Paul Mulcahy, who is a transfer from Rutgers, who uh, has been a, a you know veteran player, experienced player, multi-year starter at a Big Ten level, at a Power Five level with Rutgers. Um, he entered the the transfer portal a week or two ago as a graduate transfer, so he is eligible even though it's past the the transfer deadline because he is a grad transfer. Uh, he played four years at Rutgers. He uh, has a fifth year this year due to his COVID year, and uh, according to Adam Zagoria. Um, who tweeted out interest from different schools. KU was one of the teams that reached out with reported interest. Now, that would have been before the Zach Clements thing, I, I would have imagined. So does that change things with the numbers? How, how real is the interest? Is it just you know kind of checking in for a few reasons or another? Or is it like real interest where you're, you're going full out to try to bring him in? I don't know. Again, self-mentioned, they would be open to adding, but they are content with 11, meaning it would have to be the right situation to get a guy in for 12. What is that right situation? Does it mean it's someone who is willing to come in and play a Jalen Coleman Lands role where you know they're content maybe playing 10 minutes in a game, maybe only playing a few minutes in a specific game, but they want to be on a winning team and they're a veteran player and they want to set themselves up um, for beyond basketball, right? Or is it the specific situation of they're looking for a specific position if they're going to bring in a player? Or is it specific to, hey, we've used a lot of NIL money on this player and that player. Like, we only want players who aren't all about NIL money to come here, right? Could it be a combination of things? Um, they can be specific because they don't have to add anyone at this point in time, but they could if the right situation rises, right? So does Paul Mulcahy check some of those boxes? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but he was, he's a very good player from Rutgers. The question, I think, becomes for me, what is the fit going to be like? Because you look at it on paper, and I've kind of said all the way through that I think it does make the most sense and just adds another player for it to be kind of a three or a four. Now, maybe you do have to worry about how would how would that make K.J. Adams feel, I guess. Um, but if you're bringing on a three or the four under the guise of, no, K.J., don't worry, you're still going to start. You're going to play, you know, 25 minutes per game. I just think that's maybe where you can make the most minutes or allocate the most minutes for somebody else in the rotation. It's hard to allocate minutes at the one and two with all the four guards you have. Um, you can at least maybe allocate some minutes at the three or the four, or by playing somebody, by shifting somebody to, you know, uh, because if, if KJ, you give him 15 minutes at the four and you give him 10 minutes at the five, he's playing 25 minutes per game. And he can be your starting four. Uh, you can make Kevin McCuller your, you know, uh, playing would have 15 minutes per game at the four, 15 minutes per game at the three. Uh, that leaves 25 minutes per game at the three. That leaves um, still 10 minutes at the four in that situation. And yeah, some of those minutes at the three might go to Nick Timberlake or, you know, maybe playing even El Marco Jackson if it's next to Artario and Dewan Harris. But that leaves you with the chunk of minutes that you can at least divvy out to somebody else in the rotation. And with Mulcahy, he's six foot seven. So he fits into that conversation about playing kind of that 3-4 role in terms of what we've seen the size of those guys be in the past, but also he's a point guard at Rutgers. So that creates a uh, interesting fit, so to speak, and how exactly would it work if he does come aboard with KU. But we'll get more into his scouting report, the fit, the verdict, all that stuff coming up here on the show in just a second. 
second. First of this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Uh, they're stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted looks. Uh, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. Uh, they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. You've got the interior to them that's very comfortable. It's very freeing. Uh, you feel loose. You feel airy. Uh, you feel good during the summer when it's going to be really hot. And, you know, you don't want to worry about, you know, all the humidity and, and feeling swampy and stuff. You don't get that with bird dogs because you do feel airy. Uh, bird dogs fixed all the issues of some of these past shorts by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice the movement. And they also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So you look good, you smell good and you feel good. Anything better than that? No. So get yourself some bird dogs. I'm wearing mine right now. I've got my tumbler with me in the other room with a bunch of water. Keeps my water cold. Keeps my ice cold and together. Um, so go to birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You want to take you take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Check them out. Bird dogs. Okay. Uh, scouting report for Paul Mulcahy. Key. The Hookers will be a fifth-year player. Uh, obviously, experience. I always mention that with older players. That's never a bad thing, right? And and that is part of the scouting report in this department. What are other strengths, though? I think his size and versatility. He is a six-foot-seven player with guard skills. So you're talking about versatility, where he played point guard at Rutgers at six-foot-seven. You would think you're going to be able to play uh, at multiple positions as a two, as a three. Could you play as a four? I don't know. He is a little bit skinnier. And, you know, the rebounding numbers aren't great. He hasn't really, I mean, for a guard, the rebounding numbers are good, but um, he hasn't really been put in that role. So uh, where does the versatility go? One through three, or is it one for, uh, through four? And that could be dependent on on how exactly he would fit at, at KU. Uh, but for what it's worth, he was a really good post-up player too, which that might not be the be-all end-all. Could just be that you had a six-foot-seven point guard that, you were getting guarded by six foot one, six foot two guards. And so that was part of their game plan. We're going to post him up when that happens. But he ranked in the 97th percentile as a junior in 29 post up field goal attempts. So again, limited sample size, but he showed that as part of his game. And maybe that means that there's more there about him playing up in size a little bit. Like, I don't know, maybe that's there, but at least it gives you another option with, with him on the wing, right? His passing is part of his strengths in the scouting report. 4.9 assists per game this past season. Uh, the year before as a junior, he averaged 5.3 assists per game. So he's been a really good passer. He's been playing point guard again at six foot seven. In Big Ten only games, he was top seven in big in uh, assist rate the last two seasons. So again, good passer, uh, facilitates can be a lead ball handler, can be a primary ball handler as somebody running your offense. And it's never a bad thing to have a bunch of good passers and, and ball movers on your team. Solid defense, too, is a strength here. Now, if you look at his synergy numbers, they more so view him as like an average defender. And it's it's hard to take into account who gets credit for everything and what on the Rutgers defense. As a team, Rutgers was sixth in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm last season. So this was one of the top 10 defenses in the country. How much did that have to do with him? 
How much did that have to do with the ability of Rutgers to be switchable because they had him? Cam Spencer was a really good defender, though, too. Uh, Omar Rui, who was their big man, who's going to be back this next year, he's a really good defender. How much was their defense that good because of other defenders? How much was their defense covered up because of Omar Rui on the back line as a center? Um, how much was it because he was a good defender? But I think he plays hard on the defensive end. He obviously has size. He obviously has versatility there. And I think many analysts will tell you he is a good defender. So even though the synergy numbers lean toward maybe more so being an average defender, I would lean toward maybe being more, you know, if we want to split the difference, like an above average defender. He averaged a steal and a half per game last year. He was 12th in Big Ten only games in steal rate. So you're you're getting a good enough defender on this end of the floor that has at least versatility where he's clearly not going to be an issue on that end. And, and maybe you do have potential to be even better than that. Um I think you don't have to worry about the translation up to KU potentially here either. Played at a Big Ten level, played at Rutgers. Rutgers has been a solid team. They were the first team out of the tournament this past year. Uh, I think they were like sued the NCAA for not making it or something like that. I don't know that that actually gained any legs. Um, but yeah, a lot of people thought they should have been in the tournament. And after watching Nevada get just housed by Arizona State in the the uh, first four, which uh, to be clear, results of the tournament are not necessarily indicative of what should have happened pre-tournament. but. Um, you know, they probably should have got in. Nonetheless, they, they also had a uh, in his what? Gosh, that have been freshman, sophomore year. They probably should have beat Houston in the second round of the tournament. And that was the year Houston made the final four and every other team in that region. So if Rutgers would have made it, every team in that region in the second weekend would have been a double digit seed. So who knows? Maybe they could have even made the final four that year. Um, but yeah, a tournament team in the first four the year before they lost a close game in like overtime to Notre Dame. So they've had success. Big 10 level. You're at Rutgers. You don't have to worry about the translation up. He also gets to the free throw line at a really high level uh, for Mulcahy. Top 20 in Big 10 only games in free throw rate. He shot pretty well at the free throw line, like good enough. Low 70% for his career, 71.6%, 72% overall last season he went almost 78 percent the year before so you have a, an even higher barometer of, of maybe he can get to but yeah if you can just be 70 percent or higher like that's kind of the bare minimum what you're looking for from a guard and then uh good offensive rebounding guard again you don't know how it translates if he's playing more of the three or four but specifically playing the point guard he was able to crash the glass and really good on the offensive end of things crashing the glass there which maybe again gives you more reason to the fact that maybe he could move down and play as a three or the four for you Three-point efficiency was good as part of the strengths here. 37% last season from three, 36.4% for his career from three. As a junior, he shot almost 39% on spot-up threes only. And as a senior on spot-up threes, it was almost 37% on tries, spot-ups from beyond the arc. So good spot-up shooter. That's always something you look to because especially in KU's current situation where you have Dewan Harris, how are you going to be as a spot-up shooter, which is going to be a lot of what you have to do, especially, you know, it's not just Dewan Harris. You have Hunter Dickinson, who's going to be kicking out from inside the post if he gets doubled. Can you hit spot-up threes? Okay, he does just that. Interestingly enough, he actually struggled on spot-up twos, but I don't know, like, guys who take mid-range shots, it feels like a lot of those are, are off screens or off dribble pull-ups. How many spot-up twos is Bill Self going to, like, run for you? So not really a concern uh, in that regard. The weaknesses, though, for Paul Mulcahy, I think scoring overall. He's not someone who is just going to hunt their own shot or create a bunch for himself. Career 6.8 points per game, career high of 9 points per game. He's not somebody, if you bring in, you're going to expect to score 12, 13, 14, 15 points per game. 
even though this is on the weaknesses, though, I don't know that that's a bad thing because at this point in the game for KU, if you are bringing on another player, you probably don't want someone coming in with the expectations that that's what they're going to do because you probably don't need that. And you probably have enough roles filled that having someone who could contribute in other ways and not have to be a primary score would be a good thing. So here I am turning this weakness, I guess, into a strength. Uh, also not a great two-point shooter, 43% on twos last year, which you'd like to see that higher, especially for a six-seven guard and being able to finish inside. He wasn't great in transition or off cuts or isolation per synergy, really his whole career. Um, but I think in a specific role, you know, good passer, good ball mover, uh, set shooter like in spot up threes doing some little things rebounding passing and, and defense like you still get a more than good enough player here i think the other part of the weakness is here i would just say lack of three-point volume because as good as the efficiency was from three and 37 percent good numbers on spot up threes it wasn't a lot only 1.8 threes per game last year um that is like hunter dickinson level of, of amount of threes uh except He's a point guard versus a center, and he's never been higher than 2.3 three-pointers per game. So does that tell you that he's not as good of a three-point shooter as the numbers indicate and that he can only take them if he's wide open? But is that a problem? Because if that's the specific role you're going to have at KU, that might not be a big issue. Uh, or are you going to be asking him to take too many threes than he's accustomed to, right? Like, is he not going to want to take all those threes? Is that just not part of his nature? Is he not as great of a fit? And I think that goes back into this weakness part. Is he more of a point guard? That's how he's played the last two years at Rutgers. Would he be fine? And would he be able to play the three or the four at Kansas possibly, right? Like, would there be as good of a fit? That is a real question here in all this. So let's finish up here with exactly where that fit is and the verdict of everything. This is Locked on Jayhawks. What is the fit of Paul Mulcahy, the transfer from Rutgers? Played a lot of point guard the last few years. You'd think the size would allow him to be flexible here. Uh, but clearly, if he comes to Kansas, he's not a point guard. Maybe you could say that, well, he'll play the backup point guard minutes for Dewan Harris for the you know four, five, six, seven minutes that Dewan's not on the floor. But you also could probably say that about Arterio Morris or Marco Jackson. So it wouldn't just be clear that he would play those minutes. So are you going to be comfortable playing the two or the three? Well, it's six foot seven. You'd think he has the size for it to maybe even play the four. But then again, when you have the, the amount of guys that KU could play at the two as well, that you're promising minutes to, that you want to have roles. Marco Jackson is going to be playing a lot as an off guard. Arterio Morris is going to be playing a lot as an off guard. Nick Timberlake is going to be playing a lot at the two and three. Might not really have a ton of minutes at the two. So now you start sliding things down to the three where it's like, okay, Nick Timberlake could play some three minutes. Kevin McCuller will obviously play some three minutes. But then outside of that, it's like, well, Jamari McDowell might play. He might not as a true freshman. Marcus Adams might play. He might not at the three position. So you have more, more openings at the three, but that is a big difference from playing point guard. And then you go to the four, and it's the same thing. It's like, okay, KJ Adams will play the four. Kevin McCuller will probably slide down and play some four. Marcus Adams could play some four. I guess you could play Parker Brown at the four and have two big basketball. But realistically, it's mostly going to be KJ and Kevin, and there is an opportunity for maybe some more minutes there if you play the three and four. But that that's not what Paul Mulcahy totally does. And I guess in this scenario, if he is maybe mostly playing at the three, because you maybe you do have worries about he's not like a, a super heavy guy that would play the four. Maybe realistically, if you bring him in, he mostly profiles to being just a three. And in that scenario, it means Kevin is playing some three, but a bigger chunk of his minutes at the four. So like, for instance, Hunter Dickinson gives you 30 minutes at the five. KJ plays the backup 10 minutes at the five. Then KJ plays 15 more minutes at the four. 
That gets KJ. He's the starting four, and he's playing 25 minutes per game. Kevin plays 20 minutes per game at the four, then 10 at the three. So Kevin's your starting three, but he's playing 30 minutes total and a lot of it at the four. And then that could leave you with Mulcahy playing 20 minutes at the three. The other 10 minutes available at the three go to Nick Timberlake. And Mulcahy maybe plays those other five minutes at the two or four positions. And in that scenario, KJ's still getting 25 minutes. Kevin's getting 30. Mulcahy's getting 20 to 25. But then you start limiting your minutes that now Timberlake, Morris, Elmarco, and Dewan can play that uh, are you having to make Dewan only play 30 minutes as opposed to 34, 35? Is Arterio and Elmarco only getting 18 to 20 minutes? Is Timberlake only getting 18 to 20 minutes, right? It, it creates more of a stretch. And it it does become more difficult with the exact fit. Um, so realistically, I think it makes the most sense if KU is going to bring someone in, specifically someone who can play the three and the four, but also is someone who has to be comfortable coming off the bench because you're not going to want to start them over Kevin McCuller or KJ Adams to upset the balance. And I don't know that that's the case for, for Paul Mulcahy. It feels like to me Mulcahy would want to go somewhere and be the starter and maybe be, a, if not the starting point guard, be maybe that secondary guard that can be a secondary kind of ball handler. And I don't know that there's that opportunity at Kansas. So I just don't know about the fit, even though he is clearly a very good player. If he does want to come to KU, I think the verdict for me is that, yeah, be the final piece of the puzzle and figure that stuff out later. But if you do have options, if you're KU, let's say you're choosing between Paul Mulcahy and somebody else who wants to come to KU. Let's say in this world, both players want to come to KU and that player is a three or four more traditionally. I think you go with that player just because the fit might be better, even if Mulcahy ends up being just the better overall player, if that sort of makes sense. But overall, he is a good enough player that if he really does want to come to KU, you figure it out from there and, and you work with a, a versatile, uh, very stellar player coming from Rutgers. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We are going to have a Antonio Reeves deep dive uh, sometime, you know, later in one of our shows. But obviously with that news, we won't be doing that anymore. Maybe we'll get to some more deep dives if, if some more possible player targets emerge. Uh, but uh, I think we won't be back till next week. So uh, there could be some more breaking news by then that leads to more shows between now or leads to a different show and what we want to do next week. I also still want to get to this conversation about uh, who has the last spot for the, the rotation right now, at least before if they do add another uh, transfer portal pickup. You can find our shows wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also find us on our YouTube page with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for this show. Have a good rest of the day. Later.